Now suddenly with Andrea Stewart Cousins, this stuff is moving forward. Uh, just a, sort of a, you know, an uh, avalanche of, of, of legislation was able to move forward that uh, would not have moved forward uh, you know, uh, with a Republican state Senate or with a Republican IDC. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news story? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters. Every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Brought to you by Hackensack Meridian Health. Visit our partner site, NBCNewYork.com slash HealthU, to help you on your health journey. Hackensack Meridian Health, life years ahead. Not everyone gets to follow the comings and goings and developments in Albany, but there are some new laws taking effect in the new year. So we spotted an article by Will Bretterman from Cranes, New York, which kind of breaks down some of the highlights for us. And we asked him to come to the Debrief podcast because that's what we do. Will, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Before we get to the specifics, Will, I know you cover politics uh, for Cranes. And talk to me a little bit more about a situation where we have a Democratic governor, a Democratic Senate, Democratic Assembly. We hadn't had that in prior administrations and how that maybe have shaped the uh, the activities up in Albany. It's, it's been, you know, about 10 years since we had a, a Democratic Senate, and frankly, we, it's uh, been much longer than that since we had a functional, working <laughs> right. exactly. Democratic state Senate. So that, that's a massive change. Really, what you've seen is, uh, in the past, there was some amount of triangulation went on. The Democratic Assembly put up bills, then they sort of wound up being uh, sort of mediated through the Republican state Senate and the governor. Now, what we found for the first time this past year uh, particularly, uh, you know, around things, issues like the rent reforms, but other issues as well. Uh, you found a sort of an alliance of the Democratic uh, Assembly with the Democratic State Senate, uh, and Governor Cuomo was not able to wield as much influence, and he sort of wound up having to sign some things perhaps he might not have loved to sign or perhaps would have been hesitant to sign uh, on, in, under other circumstances. So, uh, you know, that is, uh, that's really been the, the big, big difference. We used to talk, Will, about the three men in a room literally talking about the right. governor and the uh, Senate president and the House speaker. Well, now we have Andrea Stewart-Cousins as Senate, right. so we know it's not three men in a room, sure. but also that dynamic just doesn't seem to be like it used to. Well, sure. I mean, there was sort of a uh, situation. I mean, the governor was always the strongest player right. in Albany, uh, particularly Andrew Cuomo because he was very close to the uh, Independent Democratic Conference and the state Senate that had a power-sharing agreement uh, between 2012 and, and uh, 2018 with the uh, Republicans. Republicans. Uh, and, of course... Would vote their way often. Yeah, so, you know, basically that, that what really more than anything else, that kept bills that the Assembly passed and that the mainstream Democratic Conference in the Senate wanted to pass from ever getting to the floor. Uh, that is, that's the power of the majority, right? That's the power of the majority leader. You control what gets to the floor. Yeah. And if it, do, if it doesn't get to the, it doesn't matter what bill you put your name on, doesn't matter what, how many co-sponsors you got, if it does not get to the floor, it doesn't go anywhere. And that's the big difference. Now, suddenly, with Andrea Stewart-Cousins, this stuff is moving forward. Uh, just a, sort of, a, you know, an uh, avalanche of, of, of legislation was able to move forward that uh, would not have moved forward uh, you know, uh, with a Republican state Senate or with a Republican IDC uh, state Senate. And, you know, the, so the dynamic is the governor is relatively disempowered when you have the assembly speaker and the Senate majority leader on the same page, pushing the same bills, mm -hmm. the same agenda. Uh, that, that has been really the most radical 
uh, shift in the dynamic in Albany. All right, so that's good insight as we look at some of the things you've highlighted in your article, some of the things that our listeners and our viewers here on YouTube uh, can expect in the new year. One of the big changes, and we've talked about it here on the podcast and in our newscast, is the change in cash bail. Take, take us through it. Sure, uh, effectively beginning in January, uh, there will not be cash bail. Uh, for misdemeanors and for uh, nonviolent uh, felonies, with some exceptions, you know, carves out or calvarts around sex offenses, uh, domestic violence, uh, you know, that sort of thing, witness temporary, uh, tampering, mm -hmm. uh, conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, you know, so this could really, uh, some people are saying, could set free as much as 40% of the city's pretrial detention population. Of course, this coincides at the same time with the city moving to uh, close Rikers Island. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly accelerating some of the mayor's uh, timelines around uh, sort of moving people out of detention. Uh, so this is going to be radically different for that industry. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there has been uh, some findings, like by Comptroller Stringer, that in fact that the uh, if you're a business owner, and our audience at Cranes is, is predominantly right. uh, people in the business sector, uh, that that may work out for you because frankly the the finding of the comptroller was that having so many people uh, unable to make bail often for minor offenses uh, tragically in the case for example of Khalif Browder uh, somebody uh, accused of, of stealing a backpack that he was later on uh, acquitted of you know and stuck uh, in detention for these long periods of waiting because they cannot pay bail uh, you know that is a drag on economic productivity uh, mm -hmm. that that is the comptroller's argument uh, you know, certainly if you are, are, for example, somebody who's running a business and uh, for whatever reason, unfortunately, one of your employees is sort of picked up, cannot make bail, uh, that affects your entire uh, business model. So, I mean, it, it, the, the net, there may be a net uh, economic uh, uh, benefit to this uh, on the whole. Now, we have to see uh, a lot of people who are, are skeptical are, you know, worried that people who are, you know, could be potentially dangerous could right. be allowed back onto the streets. We've heard that from police commissioners and Absolutely. law enforcement. Law enforcement, uh, I believe the Westchester District Attorney has been yeah. very loud on this position. Uh, you know, that has not uh, really borne out in other jurisdictions that have sort of followed this uh, policy. Of course, in New York City, everything's a bit different. Mm -hmm. We, of course, have a much uh, greater density of people, so uh, it really... The people who are going to be most affected in the short term are, are bail bondsmen. Right. Uh, and uh, for everybody, you know, for everybody else, there there may be a a uh, in terms of purely speaking, purely economically, a net benefit. Gotcha. Okay. Let's take a look at some of the others. Plastic bag man. I guess this will start on March first, but uh, you know, listeners and 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 those uh, watching should be aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, you need to start bringing a, uh, a reusable bag, or if you're a store owner, you need to start stocking up on, on reusable bags. Now, there is a carve-out for people who are using public assistance to buy their groceries. Gotcha. It's not clothing bags. It's not the bags that you put your vegetables in. And some in municipalities in. have this already. Yeah, I believe yeah. Suffolk County uh, definitely has. New York City repeatedly tried right. to put it into effect right. and got sort of preempted by the state. Right. Uh, again, seeing the, the changing dynamics. Statewide on March 1st. Statewide on March 1st. And in New York uh, City in particular, there will be a surcharge, five cent surcharge on paper bags as well. So you've got really, you're going to need to, like I said, bring, bring, that, bring that tote bag or uh, buy one from your store uh, and uh, be, be expecting to, you know, carry a reusable bag. Another one that people may or may not know about is marijuana testing and employers. Right. So beginning in May, uh, under this is a city uh, statute, 
businesses, government agencies, nonprofits, for the most part, will no longer be able to say, if you want to work here, you want to, you know, come in for an application, well, you've got to take a marijuana test. Now, there's carve-outs for this because there are concerns about danger, construction workers, uh, commercial drivers. Healthcare, certain healthcare health and childcare. Healthcare, childcare, because, you know, yes, they didn't, there was a concern that these, be, you know, people could be potentially under the influence and endangering others. Uh, and also, I believe if you have a federal contract that says you must uh, uh, submit your employees to a, a drug test, they also uh, are carved out of it. But otherwise, uh, you just uh, simply can no longer uh, screen your employees for marijuana use, uh, which you know tends to linger in the system for about 30 days, I believe. What changed with discrimination and harassment? Albany passing a number of reforms, you say, to make it oh, easier. Yeah. Well, the, for a long time, the standard in the uh, human rights law around uh, harassment discrimination was that it was severe, had to be severe and pervasive. That was a, the, the standard that you had to, to sort of build up to. Uh, and that, uh, and you, know, you also had to illustrate that, for example, your boss, if you were claiming harassment or discrimination by your boss, you, you, the boss could not say, well, I, treat, I treated that guy over there just as badly. That is no longer a defense that they can, uh, they can uh, sort of take shelter in, nor can they take shelter in these, I claim that they attempted to correct these things and that, you know, well, I, I set up a program to correct this and the employee failed to uh, avail themselves uh, of this system that I created. So that's a, uh, you know, that, that means that, uh, uh, yeah, that, that is going to be much easier for an employee to, uh, uh, you know, sue their employer for discrimination and harassment and that means that it's the onus is on employers to make sure they have their employees, really, because if your employee, your manager, right. is harassing one of his employees or, or his or her employees and that employee, uh, you know, complains about it, it, it falls back on the employer mm -hmm. for creating that hostile work environment. We want to point out also the statute of limitations for sexual harassment claims will stretch from one year to three years starting in August, so that's something we should take note of. Absolutely. This seems a little less uh, impactful on a number of us, but zoned carting you included. Yeah, zoned carting has been this massive fight in the city council uh, going for a number of years. Uh, you know, there was a sort of sense that the, the sanitation industry uh, in New York City has been sort of the Wild West for generations. You have, uh, effectively, if you're a private operator, private business, you don't rely on the Department of Sanitation to pick up your trash. You hire a, a zone, you hire a carter, a private carter. Uh, you know, for a number of years, these carding companies were controlled by the mafia. That was well known. That's less of a problem than it, uh, it was then. It's, the mafia is nowhere near as dominant as it used to be. But you still had uh, cases. There was a particularly tragic case, I believe, in the Bronx. Uh, you know, sanitation worker was killed on the job. You have a sort of rampant, you have issues with injuries. You have also the fact that these often, these trucks are driving the dead of night, making sort of large, circuitous routes, uh, often not obeying the traffic laws. The idea was that a zoned carting system would be more orderly. It creates effectively a franchise. You slice the city up uh, into, uh, uh, 20 into 20 different zones. Mm. There are 60, uh, each zone can have up to three carters. Uh, and basically these companies are going to have to bid to uh, uh, sort of service that area. Uh, and that is believed that will sort of reduce, uh, you know, there's some other provisions in there that are designed to sort of prop up uh, health and, and safety standards. But it's just those ideas you're going to sort of impose uh, a sort of a, a order and rationality on the way that these uh, carding companies function. Gotcha. So a little bit more in the weeds for most, but important, especially when it comes to oversight. And we're still a ways away from a mayoral election, but we would expect it's 
start to heat up and things taking shape as 2020 unfolds. Right, and you're going to see a certain sort of race to get the endorsements from uh, various unions, uh, you know, which are able to sort of run, not just get their members to the polls, but also to pay for what they call independent expenditures, or IEs, which effectively means you might get a mailer or a phone call or somebody might come to your door, and that person isn't being paid by the campaign of this, uh, you know, of Corey Johnson or Scott Stringer or Ruben Diaz Jr. or Eric Adams, all these people who want to be mayor. Right. That person was paid for by a, a union, or in some cases it could also be by a pr another uh, a private interest group. But uh, that's going to be uh, one of the real contests is securing who's going to secure uh, these sort of union endorsements that will, like I said, sort of uh, um, allow them to mobilize voters uh, and uh, sort of get their name, their literature out there. Will Bretterman, man, you made us smarter this time. All right. We're probably going to have to have you back, man. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. That's what's coming in 2020. I'm your host, David Ushery, coming to you from our busy newsroom at 30 Rock. I want to thank our producer, Jesse Edwards, and Ben Berkowitz from the NBC New York digital team. Happy New Year. We'll check you next time. On the Happy holidays.